Coming up on the WAC Podcast, a huge win over a top 25 team. We'll break down Grand Canyon's victory over San Diego State. We have Mike O'Donnell on the show. The ESPN analyst also does work for CBS Sports. He has a lot of insight on that game at GCU. We also tie a bow on the fall sports season as we wrapped up uh, NCAA volleyball tournaments. And we'll talk uh, other WAC hoops on this episode of the WAC Podcast. Dun, dun, dun. It was madness at the Global Credit Union, Grand Canyon's new name. new name for their arena. First time taking down a top 25 opponent, the storming of the courts and all that went on. We'll get into that later on. But now, now, we're tying a bow on volleyball. GCU also in the NCAA tournament in volleyball, first time ever. And last time we had the show was right before they were playing. They uh, Unfortunately, their season comes to an end in Pullman, Washington against uh, Washington State. Our other team, first time we had two teams in since 2010, Stephen F. Austin playing at Arkansas. They also lose 3-0. So hats off to both those programs. Fantastic season for Grand Canyon, Stephen F. Austin, UT Arlington, went on to the NVIC tournament. They beat Florida Atlantic 3-0 and then fall uh, in the second round against UTEP 3-1. to Yeah, really exciting. You know, I think, you know, both those teams, our NCAA teams got swept. But if you look at Grand Canyon, Washington State, their second set, they pushed it 31-29. to And I was listening to their press conference they had after with Tim Nolan. And, you know, it's how you respond. They dropped the first one 25-12. You could just be like, wow, we're out of our league and fold. And, no, you come back. And so, you know, a cool opportunity for, uh, you know, a team that's never seen the postseason. Stephen F. Austin, I believe, also. Um, yeah, their final set, 25-23. Right. So, so, you know, so hung in there. Um, just against to, number three, Arkansas. Right. Right. So very, very good uh, teams they were playing there. As you mentioned at the top of the show, basketball, we we had some conference play going on. Then we also had some non-conference. It's kind of a wonderful mix of things. The most magical time of the year. San Diego State, they made it to the NCAA men's basketball championship game last year. Yeah. They were in it. They were in it. And they almost, you know, they could have been national champs, but uh, just fall short. They play at GCU. This is a game that had been circled ESPNU. We had uh, Dave Feldman. We had Mike O'Donnell uh, on the broadcast. We're going to talk to Mike O'Donnell in our next segment. Fantastic interview. Buckle up. Buckle up. A lot of insight in there. But what a uh, what a win for the Lopes. I mean, I felt like watching the game. I mean, they were ahead at halftime, I think, by seven. Yeah. They were in control. I never really felt like that they were going to lose that game. Yeah, I felt like, and I think I had said it to Gabe when I was talking to him. If you haven't Gabe, already, Gabe, Gabe Cotter, Gabe McLaughlin, <laughs> big game Gabe, yes. as they call it. We spoke with him on Instagram live on Wednesday, but it's stored on our IG Wax Sports. Just calling him Gabe now. Gabe, yeah, we're on a first name basis. <laughs> he ran me over in the tournament last year, so nine thousand followers <laughs> on uh, Instagram. Yeah, popping. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Anyway, story. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with this. What was I? So you talked to, to Gabe, and then Gabe said something. I know. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're 
Oh, uh, oh yeah. I was saying how, you know, they dominated a, a bit, you know, and I, I maybe dominate is a strong word, but yeah, I feel like they were in control and, you know, I mean, to have the environment that they had, I mean, we, we've seen the havocs in action before. And, you know, I think each year more and more people start to really see what it's like. And I guess they keep elevating it, you know, over 7,200 fans in attendance, standing room only, I am told. (laughs) And a whiteout. And a whiteout. Um, So, yeah, I mean, what a what a win and and you know, this is this is all the hype that's been around Grand Canyon's program and then it's okay, can they deliver in these big moments and can they show hey, we are a team that should be in in the conversations for, you know, a a program that can make it to the NCAA and win a game. And then they delivered, you know. Sometimes I feel like they haven't always, you know, delivered and not to diss Grand Canyon. <laughs> that felt like I'm going to get a lot of hate now. But, you know, I mean, you know, they, they really had chance last year and they weren't able to push past that barrier. That's the first game in the NCAA tournament. And that's been their goal. And there's something they're chasing, obviously, again this year. And so a definitely big step in the right direction. Just a couple takeaways. Uh, and Michael Donald will get into this in more detail in, in the next segment. But having uh, Tyane Grant Foster, who is our Ticket Smarter Player of the Week, he's also our Newcomer of the Week. He scores 18 points, but if you watch the game, 5 of 15 from the field, was cold in the first half, and then transformed himself into a distributor and had five assists. And that's one of the things Mike said is that's one of the signs of a really great team is that when you have a guy who's your leading scorer, one of the top 10 scorers in the nation, having an off shooting night that he can do other things, impact the game in other ways, also had two blocks and two steals. And the moment wasn't too big. He just, he was able to figure out how to do something else. And then you also have, by the way, Ray Harrison still on the team who can step in, score 23 points. We saw Colin Moore hit three, three pointers, you know, the entire starting five and double figures that you mentioned, Gabe, your guy, Gabe McLaughlin, 15 points, 13 rebounds. And, and Duke Brennan, there's another guy we haven't really talked a lot about, Yeah, but he's a guy when you play a team like San Diego state that has some big bodies that can match up. Also, Sidney Curry can do that. And that's maybe something that not every team in the WAC has. And factor in that Duke Brennan and Sidney Curry really haven't gotten going, I think, per se this year. And when they start up in their production, I mean, what is going to happen? Then factor in Javon Blackshire Jr. when he comes back. That'll be the the X factor. Like what? What? (laughs) Scouters, opponent scouting are going to be like, buckle up. No, I'm just kidding. But kind of. (laughs) <laughs> and also what that will mean when he gets in the lineup again, these guys are, are going to be somewhat used to playing with each other. Yeah. Um, what does it mean when Javon comes in and what kind of role does he take? But Gabe, as you mentioned in the next segment, and when you talk to Gabe on the whack all access, which you can go back and watch on our Instagram feed um, that he's a true point guard and they don't really have that right now. Yeah. They've had uh, you know, Ray Harrison has had to step up and do a different role and then Ty and Grant Foster as well. And so very, very interesting because, you know, I think the one piece that Grand Canyon is is missing is their bench production. You know, they had, I think, two points off their bench. And that's fine that all your five scores are putting in double figures. But, you know, what happens if you're in the tournament and you're playing so many games in short period of time? Are you going to need someone to come in and step up? And, you know, maybe that's where Sidney Curry comes in and someone else or Josh Javon Baker. or Josh yeah. Baker. Yeah, I think he was having an off night as well or he was... 
sick. I don't know. No, I'm not going to say that. So, <laughs> I don't know if Josh Baker, he might be 100% healthy. So we had, uh, I, and I, let me correct myself, there was four players for Grand Canyon in that game as they win 79-73. They had the court storm. It was magical. A um, lot of fun to watch. Darren Trammell, by the way, 11 points. The old Seattle U player uh, playing for the Aztecs was a key contributor on that team, starter on that team that was in the national championship game just a year ago. But uh, before that, kind of backing up, so that was on Tuesday. But on Saturday, we had round two of our WAC uh, conference games. Yes. Yes, we <laughs> certainly did on the let's the men's side. Are we sticking with the men's side? Yeah, so Seattle U uh, defeated Southern Utah 73-63. Tarleton State, and this was our whack top play, Ooh. 77-75 over UTRGV. That was a fun game to watch as they were almost like two buzzer beaters because UTRGV came down, scores with three seconds to go. Tarleton throws it ahead. Ja'Cory Smith hits the shot. That wins it, but uh, what a, what a what, you know, that play made all together, that, that was really wild. I mean, had Ja'Cory Smith not hit that shot, the uh, shot by UTRGV down the the final stretch was just incredible. I mean, he went up and under. I believe that's Hassan Abdul-Hakim, who uh, scored 23 points for the Vaqueros. And, you know, there's a team, you know, their their Ken Palm isn't real great, but they gave Tarleton all they could handle there. They gave GCU a good game. So maybe a a team, again, showing the strength of the WAC when when that's the lowest team in Ken Palm, that they, you know, are right there with some of our better teams. Right. And I believe UTRGV went to Grand Canyon last year and, and always, got a, a they, win. they always play so, GCU tough. That's so that's true. that's gotta be a fun one for them. Stephen F. Austin went to Abilene Christian and won in overtime. So that was a a wild game. Matt Heyman scored twenty five points for the Lumberjacks as they get their first conference win of the season. Grand Canyon hosted UTA, and that was that was a uh, that was a tougher game than maybe a lot of people might have thought. As UTA had a lead in the second half, GCU comes back to win that game, seventy six to sixty nine. As we mentioned, Tyne Grant Foster had a huge week; had twenty one points, ten rebounds in that game for the Lopes. And Utah Tech defeated Utah Valley, an eyebrow raiser, perhaps, or is it that Utah Tech might be? Uh, a little better than they're given credit for. They went 65-53. Uh, Noah Gonzalez had 18 points in that game. Then we had kind of an odd thing with the schedule. Again, you know, it's 11 teams, so it's an odd number of teams. Um, everybody's playing each other twice, so you have 20 conference games. So they play again on Wednesday. We had conference basketball, so as we uh, shoot this on Thursday, Utah Tech defeating California Baptist 72-69. to so the Trailblazers now 2-0 and in WAC play and uh, have a leading contender for next week's WAC top play if you just got to see the uh, big-time jam from Hamid Oleyanko. Oh, yeah. No, that was 100% a big-time jam. Now, very interesting because, you know, Utah Tech had three players from last year. Two of them were starters. One guy came off the bench, and, I mean – early indications showing that they're just kind of firing on all cylinders right now. They, they somehow have a great team chemistry already. Um, could that possibly be their new motto? Unite the family. Well, you know all about that. I do. You, you were there in St. George for the St. George marathon with uh, the players that were handing out water. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think also they had brought in a player, a former trailblazer, Mason Sawyer, um, at the beginning of the season to talk with the team. And, and I don't know exactly the story, but he, uh, he, his wife and a couple of his kids, they passed away in, I believe, a car accident, some sort of wreck. And so, you know, they brought him in to be like, you know, he he could have folded. He could have, you know, broke down. He had every reason to, you know, stop living. And he just found ways to make an impact and find joy and, you know, find different ways to keep their memories alive. And I think it spoke to a lot of the guys when I, when I talked to them, like, you know, you're, it's about how you handle the adversity. And so there's going to be a lot of adversity early on in the season might suffer some pretty bad losses. It's not going to be in comparison to what Mason Mm -hmm. Sawyer went through, but you know, we got to come together and I don't know, it seems, you know, like they got something going credit to John Judkins out there. Uh just wanted to mention a couple other uh, games that we had this past week. Southern Utah gave Utah all they could handle in Salt Lake city. That was 88 to 86 Utah Valley did win an in-state matchup against Weber state 70 to 54. Uh, as we mentioned, Tarleton off to a great start on Wednesday night, we saw UTRGV come away with a victory at Texas A&M Corpus Christi uh, by a final of 76 to 74. So that just kind of shows they are playing maybe a little better basketball than uh, than some of those numbers might indicate. Big games coming up this week. Utah Valley travels to Oregon State. That'll be a 2 p.m. Pacific time tip on the Pac-12 Network. Stephen F. Austin in Laramie. No place like Laramie in December. Laramie, Wyoming. 2 o'clock Mountain Time on the Mountain West Network. Grand Canyon gets back-to-back ESPN, as we say, linear. I uh, We say linear around the office a lot. I don't know if everybody Anyone knows does. what it means. <laughs> linear means on, on the ESPN family of networks. So like ESPN Plus is, you know, you have to have a computer. Uh, ESPN linear is more TV, but you can also watch on a computer, so it's a little confusing sometimes. But Very confusing. Um, Liberty, uh, also a top 50 team in the net uh, rankings, Ken Palm. And that is one of our Conference USA matchups. So that should be a lot of fun to watch. That'll be in Lynchburg, Virginia at 2 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. Very exciting. I mean, just early indications. Is this going to be a great year? We have a lot of teams, Utah Valley, Southern Utah, complete roster overhauls, and they're coming away with some big wins. And so, man, it's going to be fun to watch these teams battle it out. And our first uh, rendition of the WAC resume seating system debuted. Yes. Uh, What day did it officially debut? It came out, I think, on Monday. Monday. So early indications, Um, you know. And that again incorporates, you know, Ken Palm helps us out with that. And it's got the secret uh, formula like for KFC, you know, you just, there's, there's a lot baked into it there. What's but... the secret sauce <laughs> to getting to the tournament? Um, let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll talk to women's hoops on the WAC podcast. You don't want to miss this. This WAC podcast is brought to you by our friends at University Credit Union, the official financial institution partner of the Western Athletic Conference. Welcome back to the WAC podcast. I had one other note on men's basketball before we dive into women's on the Ken Palm uh, conference rankings. Western Athletic Conference currently sitting number 13 uh, so far this year. So if you recall, we finished number 11 last year. So Mm. staying right in that, uh, just above Conference USA at number 14, Big West at 15. Uh, West Coast is 11. Uh, number one is Big 12, of course, with uh, some of the powerhouses they have. But uh, staying 
staying right up there. Love in terms it. Of the early uh, conference rankings, women's basketball. We had some big games this past week, and our uh, women's basketball players of the week. Who do we have? Oh, I'm so glad that you asked that question to me. My computer is, in fact, uh, loading. Actually, I, I know it's who... Kyla Deck from Stephen F. Austin. Because we say Deck the Halls. Oh, it totally is. Stephen F. Austin's Kyla Deck earning Wack Player of the Week brought to you by Ticket Smarter after leading the Jacks to a perfect 2 0 in the first week of conference play, scoring 48 points over two games and had her first career double double in a double overtime win over Abilene Christian. And of course, you know who the newcomer is for back to back weeks. Peyton Hall out of Abilene Christian, the freshman guard wins it again she scored 31 points so her second straight back-to-back 30 point game over ut arlington when they beat them and uh and also had uh i guess she averaged oh then she added 25 points in a in a double overtime loss to Stephen f austin so and she had two blocks look at that she's going she's really been impressive but we did speak with julie good enough last week about her we sure did California Baptist remains the uh, the top story, if you will, in uh, WAC women's basketball. Seven and zero to start the year. Two and zero in WAC play, beating Southern Utah, who they uh, played in the championship game last year, and then Utah Tech, always tough. Brianna Gillen, one of the better players in the league. So, Jared Olson, all this guy does is win, no matter what. I mean, you know, and he's the first guy when you talk to him at media day, and you're like, you know, what's your team going to look like? All these new faces pieces and he's like well shoot I don't know like I mean I have no idea what it's gonna look like you know we're just gonna keep going to work and try and find some figure some stuff out and that's what he does just went to work and figure out a way to get themselves 2-0 and whack play Grand Canyon also starting off 2-0 and in whack women's basketball as they defeated both UTRGV and UT Arlington that was a 77-48 so uh won that one going away and Molly Miller has a lot of weapons at her disposal. Uh, Callie Cooper scored 20 points in that one. Tiara Brown's back. She scored 17. Trinity San Antonio. Nadia Evans, we saw with the buzzer beater. We see Shay Fano coming off the bench. She's been a key contributor to GCU over the past few years as well. So they appear to have a lot of depth there. Now 6-2, and 2-0 and in the WAC as, as one of three teams in Western Athletic Conference play that started out 2-0. and yeah, that last team is Stephen F. Austin under our good friend Leonard Bishop, who took over for Mark Kellogg. And so that's pretty exciting uh, for as I'm looking. Well, that was a big question, too, I think, heading into the season. You have Mark Kellogg going to West Virginia, Len Bishop, the longtime assistant, taking over. But a lot of the players transferred. Yeah. and But then he got a lot of players in. So that's the thing with the portal that, uh, you know, taketh away, but it also giveth. Right. Giveth. So. They they are off to a two and zero start in WAC play. They beat Tarleton. They they beat Abilene Christian. Of course, you talked to Julie Goodenough last week. They went in double overtime, eighty nine to eighty two. They beat Rice uh, as well during this uh, this stretch. They will be at Alabama uh, coming up on yeah. Saturday. Um, they they have a home game as we shoot this on Thursday against Portland State uh, tonight. But then at Alabama at Middle Tennessee. So they're going to be taking a a trip to. Um, to that part of the country, the South, if you will. The South. Go in there and get it done. Because you know what? 
us Florida State fans are still pretty salty about Alabama what? getting into the college football playoffs, and I'm just putting that in there. <laughs> I saw a, a, a thing of you know the late Mike Leach and his take on when they had the playoff. And oh, his whole thing about you know, well, how can you possibly have a playoff with 12 or 16 teams in football? It's and then he went over and Pee Wee football does it, middle school football does it, high school football does it. Uh, NAIA does a Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One, NFL. FCS. Everybody else, <laughs> FCS. Everybody else does a playoff with more than four teams. Right. That is just based on a group of people deciding, <laughs> not based apparently on performance of the year, but on potential outcomes in next <laughs> games. I think part of it they were probably not looking for a national championship game like we had last year where pretty brutal tcu got their doors blown off by georgia so. and i'm just saying if if jordan travis was the whole team why isn't he a heisman finalist he gets hurt in a game against a uac opponent i know i know that, them that hurts me a national championship literally i don't even know where to stand on that <laughs> issue right now because as a uac media services employee yes <laughs> Uh, it's tough. That's, anyway, it's really tough. Anywho. Back to basketball. Got Mike O'Donnell. I mean, this he, this is a good one. This, yeah, Mike O'Donnell, just very insightful. Got a chance to run in with the Havocs. Was there? You know, it's it's a game he'd wanted to call for quite some time, and man, he said it delivered. So, listen to this analysis. It's coming your way next. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. I'm Kendra Sheehan, now joined by ESPN college basketball analyst Mike O'Donnell. And Mike, you've done our basketball media days for the past two years. Last year, you called the ESPN championship game at our WAC tournament in Vegas, Grand Canyon. Won that tournament, and I know that you have been wanting to call a game at Grand Canyon and experience that environment. You got your opportunity on Tuesday when Grand Canyon hosted San Diego State on ESPNU. Did it meet expectations for what you had coming in? It was insane. It, it was absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, I have had the uh, uh, extreme fortune of playing at, you know, some cathedrals in college basketball. I, I played at Cameron Indoor Stadium. I played at Rupp Arena, played at the Dean Dome. The Grand Canyon's basketball atmosphere is elite, and it deserves to be in the same conversation as those arena atmospheres. I have no problem uh, uh, selling that as much as I possibly can. It, it, it's a bucket list event for any college basketball fan. Now, I mean, it was there. It was the first win over a top twenty-five team, so there was certainly some extra juice, you know, in the building. But I, I don't. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, uh, the, the the students were wild. Uh, they were choreographed. Um, it felt like the fans were on top of you. There's over 7,000 people there. It is a, a gorgeous, pristine arena. I, the practice gym that they have is on par with most, quote unquote, power conference schools. I mean, the investment they've made in basketball is is really off the charts. But I had an amazing time. And I just I, I really hope to go back because there's there's nothing like it. I, this is what I said the other day to a friend. I said the the ceiling for the Grand Canyon basketball home atmosphere is best in the country. And the floor 
is third best in the country. <laughs> I, that That's where I think that Grand Canyon's atmosphere is. It's incredible. Now, because you mentioned, you know, when you were playing and some of the arenas that you played in, could you imagine putting yourself on the basketball court and playing in front of a crowd like that with how loud it gets there? No, I mean, it's 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 something that San Diego State talked about a lot in practice, where it when you San Diego State specifically, they are and have been one of the best defensive teams in the country. And uh, the assistant coaches in shoot around the morning of were on the on the team about you guys don't understand how loud it's going to be tonight. You're not prepared for it. The way you're talking right now is not loud enough because it's going to be deafening in there. And they said it over and over and over again. And it certainly was the case. I will tell you this. If, if you're a recruit uh, that's going, uh, that's considering Grand Canyon and you go to that atmosphere, I don't know how you don't sign your, your letter of intent right there. I mean, it's, it, it's got to be one of the best in the country and it is um, suffocating for, from an opposing uh, a, a team's standpoint and their, their point of view. And, you know, the students, the Havocs, their student section were camping out for days before this game and you got a chance to run in with the student section. So they line everybody up, they release them and they run up the stairs around and down trying to get those first come first seats. Uh, you know, what was that experience like for you? Did you expect the students to be as fast as they were? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, I'm very thankful to ESPN because I, I kind of came to them with this idea. Dave Feldman and I, Dave Feldman was, play-by-play for that game and I had I ran the idea past Dave and I was like I don't know if he's going to go for it and he goes I'm all in I'm all in and so then I then I uh, ran it up the flagpole at ESPN and they were like yes we are absolutely doing this no question we'll we'll figure out a way to do it and it kind of came together last minute the um there's a president of the Havocs uh Luke Stoffel who who kind of helped us get all set up and he put us right uh, kind of middle front outside of the where, where the students were getting ready to run in and I look at Dave and I go how are we going to do this are, are you ready and uh, I, I'm actually sorry if I could rewind real quickly Dave and I actually did a practice run up the stairs because we were so worried <laughs> about what it was going to be like and Dave took off <laughs> I mean I mean went every other step I mean, uh, it, it was it was an incredible show of athleticism. And I was like, I'm not trying to pull the hip flexor or the hamstring. I'm going to I just need to go through. It's a walkthrough for me. You know, I, I got to save it a little bit. And then when we're, but when we're fast forward a little bit, we're standing in the middle of the students outside, get ready to run in. They have a little countdown. And my heart was was beating through my chest. I, I was I kept looking around telling everybody, please just don't run me over. I, I got to be able to call the game. Just don't run me over. We sh- and uh, the countdown ends, and it was, I mean, shot out of a cannon. Everybody sprints in, as you know, Kendra. And Dave, Dave and I were, I was right behind Dave to start, and Dave, I kind of felt like an elbow in the chest, kind of, but it, I thought it was a student, but I think it was Dave, pushed oh, off push me. Push off. <laughs> went, went right in, yeah, went right in. And I was getting, I was like, oh, okay, no, it's on now. And I, I was starting to catch up with them. But three students fell over each other. 
And I had to pull a little bit of Ethan Hunt Mission Impossible, jump over them, little <laughs> spin move to avoid major injury. And by that time, Dave was halfway up the stairs and completely blew me out of the water. Uh, and then we ran up and then ran down with the students to get to get into the seats. And it was it, it was it was everything that's great about college basketball. It felt like what college basketball used to be 20 years ago it was awesome. So really, Dave would have gotten row one and you might have been a few rows back because you weren't as fast. <laughs> oh, D Dave may have gotten seat number one in <laughs> row one. He was unbelievably athletic. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I it took me by surprise. Uh, Dave, Dave's athleticism. He, he won. He won. He may have cheated a little <laughs> bit, but uh, but he won. Yeah. <laughs> Well, maybe next time you go back, you'll be a little more prepared and you, you'll know the ins and outs so you can oh, get yeah. there first if they oh, let yeah. you do it again. And I also have to ask because the Havocs are always very welcoming to the ESPN crews that come in. They make fat heads of the announcers. And so have you ever gotten a, a fat head before? No, absolutely. No, it was it was so ridiculous uh, and, and ridiculous in an amazing way. Uh, Dave was ecstatic about getting his fat head and uh, wanted want to take a picture with the cheerleaders with it right away and uh, send it over to ESPN. And, you know, they, they, they built a graphic of it and um, it, it, it was fun. They, they were loud and crazy and wild, but you know, there was just a, there was a thankfulness of the entire student section. Everybody was extremely respectful, so excited, so welcoming to Dave and I, you know, we're, I kind of felt bad because I didn't want to mess up a lot of their routine, but they were just, no, come on in here. Let's go in. And I got to throw stream, uh, uh, streamers up in the stands and, and do some of the choreographed dances. Not well, but I got to do some of those and it was, it, it was a blast. It really was. Yeah. I think some of our staff members were watching the game, wanted to ask you about the wobble and uh... <laughs> super embarrassing, like... <laughs> super embarrassing. Yeah. The last time I did the wobble was maybe 10 years ago at my wedding. Um, it was, uh, I don't think it went well uh, at all, uh, but I think that's what makes it funny and good. Like it's, you know, all of my friends know that I can't dance. And so now everybody watching the game knows that I can't dance and that makes for great television. So I have no problem with it. Absolutely. You got to have fun and just what a remarkable atmosphere it is there. Let's get into the game now because you know, Grand Canyon was up at the half and one of the newcomers that is, is just really exploding onto the scene for Grand Canyon is Tyon Grant Foster took two years off medically redshirted and came to Grand Canyon. And it's just been a force to be reckoned with. Of course, in the first half, he just went two for 11 from the field goal, but he was able to find other ways to be active. He was able to get some steals, some block shots. He was effective from the free throw line. How have you watched him kind of grow into his position? And then, of course, when he gets hot and lights it up in the second half? Well, going into that game, the, the story of that matchup between Grand Canyon and San Diego State, it was two of the top 10 scores in the country. Uh, Tyon Grant Foster was uh, ninth in the country going into that game. And San Diego State has a player named Jaden Ledee, who was sixth in the country going into that game and scoring. So we had two of the top 10 best scores in college basketball. And Tyon Grant Foster is much different than Ledee, who is way more of a physical presence uh, on the inside, kind of uh, mid-post and uh, old-school post-up area. Tyon Grant Foster 
at six foot seven is very much like a point forward or point wing, um, maybe even a hybrid wing. Uh, uh, it, 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 if you want to kind of go into some of the details of it, and there were um, uh, eight NBA scouts there, and they were there to watch Tyon uh, because he's six foot seven and he can play positions one through four. And one of the best things about Tyon's game in that game uh, Tuesday night was he struggled from the field, like you said, started off a little bit shaky. And that's really what San Diego State does. That's why they're so good. They take away your best weapon. And, you know, open looks were extremely difficult to come by for Tyon. But what he did was he misses a couple shots, and he started passing the basketball. You know, he had three assists in the first half, and they were all three huge assists, kind of shot clock winding down, and just made the perfect right read for Grand Canyon in that moment. And to me, that that's when Dave and I were talking, you know, off air, like, man, he's making these right plays and these right reads. It's a sign of a really good player. Shots not falling. Can you affect winning on top of that? And he also had two blocks in the first half, too. I thought his defense was fantastic. So that that you know that all encompassing of he missed some shots in the first half, but he was a great distributor and a really great defender, really opened up things for Grand Canyon. And then in the second half, he started to find his rhythm. He made a couple buckets and he got to the free throw line over and over and over again. All of a sudden you look at the you look at the box score and you're like, okay, you know, he he's back, right? He's back. And um, but the sign of a really, really good team is when your best player, who's ninth in the nation in scoring, is having an off night, and you're still able to manufacture and get really, really good looks. And when you have a guy like Ray Harrison, who up until this point has kind of taken a backseat to Ty and Grant Foster, uh, and he was great on the offensive end, made big shot after big shot after big shot. And that's when you're looking at Grand Canyon and say, okay, this, this isn't just you know maybe the best team in the WAC. This is you know, this is a top forty looking basketball team right now because they can score in ways to where their best player is having an off night that it's hard to scout against that. It is truly impressive when you have four to five guys also on their team in double figures. And Colin Moore, another guy that was new this year, and he's also a guy that struggled in that first half, just two points in the first half, and had thirteen. In the second half, he had three big consecutive threes. How much of a, a difference maker does he become when, when you factor in just the diverse attack that Grand Canyon has, like you had mentioned? Well, well first, I thought defensively he was great. I mean, he had to guard multiple different players in San Diego State. Not an easy feat when there's so many interchangeable pieces. And the Aztecs, it's one of the reasons why they're so hard to play against. But the uh, um, uh, Colin Moore had one particular play that I kind of felt like it, it it really helped Grand Canyon say, we got this. Uh, it was a catch rip, and he went baseline and took the entire San Diego State roster by surprise and had this reverse dunk. And Dave and I went nuts because it really kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, it was a great show of athleticism. It was a great play. But that play, it just kind of it kind of felt as if, Colin Moore jump-started the belief that Grand Canyon could, you know, could win this game. It could beat this top 25 team. And uh, he was great. He had a couple of big shots, like you said. The impressive thing, too, about Colin Moore uh, in the second half, he took a three, missed a three, 
and he landed on a San Diego State uh, 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 defender's foot, the player that was closing out on three-point shot, and looked like he turned his ankle really bad. And play stopped. He, you know, he, uh, he walks off the court, but it was really gingerly, and we weren't sure if he was going to come back in the game. Like a minute later, after we showed the replay that looked bad, he checks back into the game. And it was like he didn't miss a step. So uh, unbelievable show of toughness from Colin Moore in the second half coming back from that as well. A hundred percent. And, you know, I got a chance to speak with Gabe McLaughlin yesterday at a double double in the game. And he was telling me that, you know, without Javon Blackshear Jr., the team has not been playing with a true point guard. They really had to make some adjustments. And so how have, how, impressive is that to you for a team that's doing as well as they are taking down a top 25 team and having to completely adapt, not play with a true point guard and still find ways to get the job done and be on top. Really, really, really hard to do. Uh, But that's what Ray Harrison did all last season, just in a little bit different role because you didn't have a guy like Tyon Grant Foster. Now Ray Harrison deserves an enormous amount of credit you know, before we get into Grant Foster and his ability to play point guard. But Ray Harrison, right, last season, Flaxier goes down. He has to step into the role. It's not his natural position. He's more of a more of a combo guard uh, playing off the ball. And I think stepped in and did more than an admirable job. I mean, he was he was the best. He was the best player of the entire WAC tournament and, and just almost impossible to stop and slow down. So then he comes into this season and their their expectations that he's going to be a 20 point a game score. But for Grand Canyon to win games at a really high level, what they found out was Grant Foster was more of a mismatch problem. So coach Drew has to talk to Ray Harrison and say, we need you to be more of a distributor and maybe take less shots. There's, in today's day and age in college of basketball, there's a lot of guys that just won't do it. Maybe not in just a purely defiant way, but just won't do it because they don't know how to do it because they're just, they just want to play their game instead of playing the game that their team actually needs. And so Ray Harrison has done that all the way up until Tuesday night. And the reason why he's been able to do that is when you don't have a true point guard, but Ray Harrison kind of knows how to play point right now. I mean, he's got a really good feel for that position, but Grant Foster at six foot seven. If you look at the analytics, he is uh, he's top thirty in the country coming into that game Tuesday night in pick and roll scoring efficiency. So he was one of the best pick and roll scores in the country at six foot seven. And you know him playing that point forward position at times, uh, it's hard to replicate that in practice. So it's extremely hard to prepare for. And. You know, what do you think this team would be like when Javon Blackshear Jr. returns? Oh, uh, they could be one of, you know, they could be a top 30 team in college basketball. If, and it's a big if, is what kind of player is Javon Blackshear going to be? And, you know, if if I'm wondering that question, obviously Coach Drew and the coaching staff know, you know, they're, they're very aware of that situation because, they're humming right now. I mean, they are absolutely rolling. So for Blackshear, two years ago, he was preseason whack player of the year before he got hurt. And a huge had huge expectations. So what do you do with a player like that coming back from a knee injury? More importantly, from Blackshear's perspective, what are you willing to do or what are you willing to sacrifice? Because if he comes in into this lineup 
and goes full high level elite distributor, which he is, and doesn't go in having to get his shots every single time. It allows Ray Harrison to play more off the ball, more comfortable position, takes more pressure off Tyon Grand Foster. That's that's a team that isn't just capable of winning the WAC. That's a team that's capable of winning a game in the NCAA tournament. It's something that Grand Canyon has been chasing now. And after that game, they climbed up to 45 in the net ranking, 79 in Ken Palm's rankings. Just to, to kind of tie a bow on this game, you know, Grand Canyon beat San Diego State in the paint. They out-rebounded them as well. But just from your perspective, what impressed you the most or something that you saw, you know, overall that was a huge difference maker in this matchup? I think if you could give me two things, one, they physically went toe to toe. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) They they physically went toe to toe with San Diego state from a physicality and rebounding standpoint. And that's huge. I mean, that's how they win a lot of games because teams just do not know how to match or exceed San Diego state's physicality. And especially on on the glass and especially with a player like Jay Ledee, who's probably the strongest player in college basketball. So that's number one. And number two, I thought they did a really great job of attacking the paint. I don't mean that in a simple way. Um, They got the ball shifted a lot, and I thought they ran their offense really well because the thing that San Diego State's defense does so well is they shrink the floor, is they sit in the gaps, and they don't really give you any driving lanes. And there were chunks of time where San Diego State executed it perfectly. But what Grand Canyon does exceptionally well, right, they're top three in the country in free throws uh, uh, attempted per game and free throws made per game. They get into the paint off the bounce and draw fouls. And it took a little bit of time to figure that out. And once they did, they did a great job of getting the defense shifted, getting into the paint, drawing fouls. And it was, uh, you know, uh, Lamont Butler, who's, who's one of their best players, the hero of the NCAA tournament, fouled out in that game. And they had multiple players with three and four fouls by the second by the second half, uh, late in the second half, because the, uh, Grand Canyon did a great job of uh, attacking that paint. So it was a 79-73 win for Grand Canyon. As we take a look at the WAC as a whole, because once again, you'll be back calling our championship game in WAC Vegas. Super excited to have you once again on the call. And Conference play started a lot earlier this year. We had conference play in November. We take a break, and then conference play resumes in January, a little bit different than years past. And we have three teams right now that are 2-0 in WAC play, and that's Grand Canyon, of course, Utah Tech, and Tarleton State, maybe some teams that we didn't necessarily expect to uh, be undefeated. What have you noticed about the way that some of these teams, Utah Tech, still in the transition, and Tarleton State as well, still in that transition period to go 2-0 starting off league play? I really like Utah Tech's offense. I like their system. I think it's really hard to prepare for. Uh, They do a terrific job of not just in the half court of running great sets, but in semi-transition and in their full break, I mean, they are so dialed in on the offensive end. I mean, it's there are times where they'll have multiple possessions in a row where it's it's clinic worthy, right? You want to show that stuff at a coach's clinic. Their offense is so uh, so efficient. Carlton State, given just kind of the uncertainty about the program and Coach Gillespie and everything going on, I mean, they are deep. They are fast. They are athletic. They guard you. They annoy you. Uh, it's uh, you know 
how do you prepare for a team like that that can play that many guys uh, in, in a game where they're, they're, the roster is very deep and they don't lose a beat? Uh, they will full court press. They're going to deny passing lanes uh, in the half court, and they want defense turning into offense. They want deflections. They want steals. They want to get long tip outs off of rebounds and go, go, go. And when they're doing that, I mean, they're really, really hard to beat. It's it's not surprising. I kind of had a feeling, and I think even Kendra, you and I were talking about this uh, earlier in the preseason because of their depth. That that's a team. Tarleton State's a team to where you know if they finish in the top four in the WAC, I, I won't be surprised. I think maybe outsiders may be surprised, but if they're healthy, if they stay healthy, that defense is exhausting to play against. It certainly is, and, and even more impressive, you know, to to do it without head coach Billy Gillespie, who's taken some time away from the program due to some medical issues, and we're hoping he's okay there as as we wait what's going to happen with that. But still, to get it done on the floor is really impressive, and. You know, we're back in non-conference place. we got some big matchups. Stephen F. Austin's at Wyoming. Grand Canyon is at Liberty. That's on Saturday. It's a 12 p.m. Mountain Standard Time start. That's on ESPNU, so back-to-back linear games for the Lopes. Mike O'Donnell, thank you so much for joining and sharing about your experience at Grand Canyon and giving us some more insight on WAC basketball. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That's Mike O'Donnell, WAC or ESPN college basketball analyst who will be calling our WAC basketball championship game as well. Thank you for listening to the WAC podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.